Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Amalia Brightley-Gillett is MD at Family Business Place, a business that helps support family businesses grow and develop and overcome the inevitable challenges that come with working with nearest and dearest. I know that only too well. Amalia knows firsthand about these challenges, but also about the hugely rewarding aspect of family business, as her colleagues are also her mum, her dad, her sister, and her brother-in-law. Heaven forbid, goodness. They live and breathe family business themselves, which puts them in the perfect position to empathize with all the clients they help support. Um, Now, this is the first time, Amalia, I think I'm right in saying, that we have had a a mother-daughter, in fact, any relations uh, on the Sandro Forte podcast. So you are a first, I'm pleased to say. (laughs) Welcome, Welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Sandro. Now, you're a very young, very attractive lady, very talented, clearly. So I'm already in awe of you, Amalia. But let's start with finding out a little bit more about who you are, the, the kind of background to your life, and why on earth you would want to go into business with your, with your family. <laughs> that is a very good question. Um, it's a very kind introduction for you to say that I'm talented and beautiful and young. Um, I'm 33, so I don't oh, consider myself oh, young these days. Those, which of those statements is not correct? <laughs> I don't know, it's 33 young these days? I'm not sure. When you're nearly 52, 33 <laughs> is positively juvenile. Okay, so um, I have grown up in a very big family, so I'm the eldest of four siblings obviously my mum and my dad. And then I went to university and I was under some illusion that I was going to make it big in the fashion world. And I did fashion PR at university. Um, and it was fine, but it, you know, it was, <laughs> it was up in Preston, not the, uh, the fashion hub of Europe, I'd say. Um, but I had a great time, made some great friends. And then when I left university, um, I was looking for a job and my mum ran her own design agency and she was looking for a PA. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll go and you know join there while I'm looking for a real job. So I was working in London and I loved it. And but I also at university I'd done some work experience for Vivian Westwood in the PR department. I'd worked for Miss Sixty, and although I had a great time, I realised that I just was I was not cutthroat enough. I am not the Devil Wears Prada. I just didn't have it in me to be in the fashion industry. And um, quite frankly, the marketing aspect of what I did was what I really enjoyed the most. So anyway, so after university, I joined my mum's design agency as her PA and, um, and really loved it. And, you know, it was a side of my mum that I'd never, ever seen before. So all I ever saw when I was growing up was my mum home at the weekend, um, being bad cop, being the one who told me to tidy my room and do my chores and sort my homework out. Because I never saw her during the week because she was building this design agency and she did really, she built it up to a million pound turnover, employed 15 people. Um, but we never saw her. So when I went to work with her in the agency, I saw this whole new side of her and it gave me this appreciation of why she was like she was, why she did what she did. Um, and also the shit that she went through to build her own business. 
and the pressure and the responsibility. And I never had any appreciation for that before, just as her daughter. Um, and then a couple of years into running a design agency, we were invited to a conference and it was about family businesses and we went along and I was a speaker on the panel. Um, and we were really just enamored by these stories of families working together to build something, which was this whole new concept. When you work in London and it's all about corporate and the city and everyone's on their own agenda, their own ladder to the top. But here you had all these entrepreneurial families who are building something, not even for them now, but something for their children and their children's children. And it was just a whole new concept. And my mum and I just fell in love with it. Um, and a few years down the line, Family Business Place was born because we thought, wouldn't it be amazing if we could bring this community of people together? Um, we had a partner in those days, but then my mum took it out on her own. I was working with her and we built this little team. And now 12 years down the line, um, I've gone from working for my mum, waiting to find a real job, to suddenly being managing director of this little family business that we built. <laughs> so I sort of feel, you know, people talk about imposter syndrome, and I, and I sort of had that in the early days, because I thought, I'm not even supposed to be here, I'm just the PA, I'm just sort of blagging my way through life. And then I realised that everyone's blagging their way through life. <laughs> and the more of these families I met, they just, they didn't know how to do things the right way, or the proper way, or how the business textbook said, they just they knuckled down, they worked hard, they gave everything, they trusted each other. And that's what being a family business is all about. So yeah, here we are 12 years later, we have a membership of over 150 family businesses around the country. Um, and we're just doing whatever we can to help them grow, succeed and, and thrive really. Because when you walk down the local high street, it, family businesses are it, independent businesses are it. So we're here to make sure that they survive and thrive. That's fantastic. Um... I, I was chuckling to myself when you said about this uh, this illusion. I'm paraphrasing slightly, but this illusion about going to the the fashion world. Uh, I can only presuppose there was a typo on your application form. It should have said Paris, but you ended up going to Preston, uh, which <laughs> I, I think is absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm in a similar boat. I I deluded myself that I was going to be a very successful actor, so I I tore that one up uh, after a very short space of time uh, and ended up having to get a proper job. So. Um, I, I, I love I love that background. I guess one obvious question to ask you, Amalia, is: um, Do you think it's a good idea? And I'm, you know, I personally at the moment am dealing with the idea that my son wants to come into the business. Do you think it's been good in your experience to to have found a stepping stone before you got to where you got to, or you know, if if you're in the right place at the right time and it just makes sense, is there anything wrong with going straight into the family business or do you think you should try and gain some experience somewhere else first? So even, there are two sides to this and I don't know there's a right I don't know there's a right or a wrong. But we've you know, we've met people who have it in their family constitution that you have to go and get five years work experience somewhere else. And then I've met other people who have been there man and boy, who've literally been picking and packing in their school holidays and they've walked straight into their family business. I think Personally, for me, what getting out, doing that work experience at university, what that taught me was what I didn't want to do. So I don't know that I, I learned anything that I've brought to the business now, but it told me what I didn't want to do. And it taught me about the values that I didn't want to live by. Um, and some of these massive fashion houses, you know, their values are, I don't even know if they know what they are anymore. Um, and, you know, no one talks to you about values when you're at school or when you're doing business or marketing no one talk, talks to you about values but quite frankly if you walk into a business and your values don't match with theirs there's no synergy there and it's not going to work 
So I think the reason a lot of people go straight into their family business is because that's how they've been raised. They, you know, this, this business has been another member of their family. So for me, I felt like once I joined the family business, I accelerated because I'd found where I belonged. I found my skill set. I was working with my mom and now my sister and my husband and people that I trusted and trusted me. Um, and so my success and my confidence and my ability went through the roof then. I feel like a bit of a, you know, a square peg in a round hole when I'm somewhere else. So, I, you know, there, there are two sides to that. And yes, going away and, and gaining some skills somewhere else, fantastic. And there are lots of family businesses who will just swap between them. They'll say, can my next gen come and work at yours and your next gen can come and work at mine? Because that's about learning the way of a family business. Mm. Um, so, and, I, and I completely agree with that. And I think that's fantastic. I... For me, I joined the family business and then I learned along the way. Then I did my training. Then I did all my research and reading and, and, it, and I applied it to what I was living and breathing now. And that really, really worked for me. And, and I was, you know, I, I'm a bit like my mum, really. I just like being in it and doing it and getting on with it um, and then <laughs> figuring it out later. <laughs> I mean, we, that stood us all in good stead, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Um, so you've already explained, Amalia, very eloquently, some of the benefits of, of being a family, shared value, shared vision, uh, and that makes a great deal of sense. But you also earlier mentioned about the fact you work with 150 family businesses, um, and many of them, with great respect to every single one, they, they kind of don't know what to do. Make it up as they go along is, is an expression I've heard before. Typically, what are the mistakes that families are making? So let's, let's, we've looked at the benefits. What are, some of the, what are the, some of the pitfalls, the things to look out for, the common mistakes that are being made in, in your experience? So when you walk into a family business, some people say we keep the family and the business very separate. Fantastic. I don't believe that you can. <laughs> so what a lot of people going into a family business or being in their families don't realize is that things that affect the family by osmosis affect the business without you even realizing it. So if there is some underlying problem or some issues just bubbling away under the surface, even if you think you've put them in a box and you've shut them away, they are going to manifest in the business somehow, in the decisions that you make, in the people that you trust, um, and in the direction you take. So one of the biggest problems that any family business make is they don't communicate with each other. So it's okay to say, yes, we've got an issue between my brother and my sister or between me and my parents, but let's talk about it and let's tackle it head on rather than leaving it to be this huge elephant in the room when you're trying to make business decisions, but they're secretly or subliminally being influenced by what's happening as a family. Because quite frankly, and my mum will say this, you can always get another business, but you can't get another family. Mm. So, you know, you need to figure those things out. You cannot just shut them away. Um, and we actually once, you know, met with a, a family and we, we were brought along to help them. And, and she said, we're just worried that you're going to open a can of worms. And we said, well, you need to open that can of worms. You cannot just go blindly you know, head on into the future because you're going to come across at some point. You need to open that can of us. And yes, it will be difficult and there will be some really tough conversations and there will be tears and there will be anger, but you need to get it sorted now. Mm. So I think that is one of the biggest mistakes that family businesses make is that they don't tackle head on the challenges. They don't communicate 
They don't communicate with each other. And I think if you are a very open, honest, transparent family and you say, right, we're going to air all of our concerns, all of our grievances, and we might have a family assembly for that. We might have a particular vehicle for doing that so it doesn't just flare up at a management meeting. But if we say we're going to do that, then they're the businesses that seem to be able to get through and get by. Um, And then on the same thread, but another massive challenge is not talking about succession, whatever that looks like. So, you know, I'm a dad. I started this business 40 years ago. I'm knackered now. My wife wants her husband back. I want to go and play golf. I want to do philanthropy, whatever it is. I don't know what to do next. I'm stuck. And they sort of bury their head in the sand. They're a little bit in denial. And I think succession needs to be talked about far more openly and honestly. And it might be that your kids don't want to take over the family business or they're just not quite ready yet. And that's okay because you can sell the business. You, you know, some of your employees might want to buy it. You might need an interim until your next generation are ready, but it's okay to talk about it. Really, there is no better time than now. So communication and succession planning are the two biggest challenges for any family business. And it all comes down to just being honest, being open and tackling them head on. Yeah, very well said. I uh, I come from a large family. I'm the eldest of a gazillion children, uh, which partly explains why the world is overpopulated. Uh, and, and we are half Italian. So needless to say, we all get very emotional about stuff. And obviously, the, my ancestry is very much family business. Um, one thing I can tell you, this will not come as a surprise to you, Amalia, is that we have lots of disputes uh, within the family. How do you resolve disputes within the environment you work, the clients that you represent and help, uh, you know, when you've got, you know, mum in one corner and, and sister in another, uh, and they've got, you know, pistols at dawn. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you try to resolve some of this conflict? And the reason I'm asking you the question is not, this is just not something that pertains only to family business. This is something for the, the many, many, many people listening who will have experienced some kind of confrontation, some really uncomfortable relationship, and they don't know how to deal with it. So typically, as a general uh, comment, how do you help people deal with disputes? Is there a, is there a magic form? So, so if you take, take business out of it altogether, and like you say, in your family, you have disputes. If you are just a family and you all work some, separately, you know, if you have a dispute within your family, you can go away to your own houses, think about it, dwell on it. And then you might come back a week later and you might start talking about it or you might take your dad to one side and say, right, come on, dad, we need to figure this out. Throw business into the mix and you've got a right old, you know, firecracker going on. So for us, when we work with families who do have disputes and where the family um, dynamics are actually having a negative impact on the business, for us, it's about making sure that every single person has their voice heard. So whether you work in a family business or not, whether you work for someone else or you run your own business, I think it's really important to see it through someone else's eyes. So we sit down with them and we have individual confidential conversations with them. So if you can imagine, I don't know, there's a, a mum and dad who are running a business. They've got three sons. The three sons don't talk to each other. They've had this huge fallout. It builds up and it builds up. And over time, this resentment builds. And then you can't even remember what it was you fell out about in the first place. But you know that you know, the whole family is involved now and the wives hate each other. And imagine the impact that has on a business. It's not great. And if you then employ 100 people, that's their, that's their livelihoods in jeopardy. 
So we will have individual conversations with each of them, completely confidential, where they, they can have their voice heard. And then what they say may be completely different to what someone else has heard. And that's where the conflict happens. So again, it all goes back to communication, transparency, honesty. Um, and particularly in families, there will be someone, you know, there's the loud mouth and there's the quiet person and there's the person stuck in the middle. And it's no different in a family business. So you have to make sure that the quiet one gets their opportunity to speak. You have to make sure that, you know, that the louder one um, says what they really mean, not what they think people want to hear. And it's really hard because quite frankly, relationships, we have relationships with our friends and families because we love them and we care about them. So very often in a family business, it's around not wanting to hurt someone's feelings. So you don't say anything, but then actually that's no good because then it builds up inside you. So I think when it comes to managing conflict, it's about making sure everyone has their voice heard in a, in a safe environment where they're not going to be judged, where they're not going to be shouted down. Um, it's about standing up for yourself. Um, and some people find it easier to write things down. That's the other thing. I, I met someone and she talked about love language. What's your love language? And for some people, it's, you know, cooking. Some people, it's writing or reading. It's how, do you, how does that person communicate? So it's figuring out where they feel most comfortable. So, you know, I, I walk into a lot of places and their appraisals are sat down with an HR person across the table, but they don't respond very well to that. And I think it's the same with conflict. You need to find out how does that person feel comfortable in having their say. And it might be writing, it might be having a conversation, it might be a phone call. Um, and I think just we're, what I have learned over the last however many gazillion weeks this has been that we've been locked down is that we are all human beings. I mean, I can see inside your front room. I have seen people's kids naked running in on an interview. You know, we are, we've seen this human aspect of everyone. Mm. not this corporate facade of when we go to work. And I, and I think that's really important that you have no idea what battle someone else is facing in their own life. So just approach it kindly. You know, kindness goes a long, long way to resolving conflict. I love, um, and that's I love, all I'd say. I love what you just said. Um, you know, the, the kind of the, 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 the bird's eye view of someone else's real life. I mean, there are... I've, I've always tried to see the glass as half full and I think a lot of good has come out of uh, this, this situation. Despite, you know, the tragic loss of life and all the difficulties people are facing, let's hope that we drag a lot of really positive things from this as well. And as you say, if, if one of those things is that human aspect to communication and to relationships again, then, then fantastic. Um, let, let's just explore what you do a bit more as a business. So we now know that you are an expert mediator uh, and conflict um, resolution specialist. Uh, what else? If somebody walks in through the metaphorical door, Amalia, what, what, are they, what are they looking to the family business place for in terms of support, typically? So essentially, we are a membership for anyone who runs a family business. Um, specifically, our members are sort of of my generation, the next generation who have got their entire lives ahead of them, are excited, they're driven, they're, they're sort of hungry for success for the business. So anyone who runs a family business, big or small, so we've got, you know, hoteliers with 3,000 staff. We've got husband and wife startup. I've got a 26th generation butcher who is a member. I mean, it's extraordinary. These stories, I can't even tell you, they're incredible. Um, but they come to us because, A, they want to feel part of something. They want to know that in this huge world of corporate business, there is a community out there of families 
who are running businesses together. Um, and they like to be able to share with each other, you know, how did you start talking to your dad about succession? How did you manage to resolve that problem with your brother? Um, whatever it is, you will only know it if you are part of a family business. You will only understand. So they come to us for the community aspect. They also come to us because we deliver loads of fantastic training online. So all of our members get access to a, a membership portal. And we've got interviews. We've got articles. We've got you know um, some great videos. Just some ideas of how other people have done it. It's a bit sort of like through the keyhole of someone else's family business. Because you're right, we're all making it up as we go along. We're doing it the best we, way we know how. And it seems to be working, so we carry on that way. But what if I heard someone else who is maybe in my industry but is a, you know, a huge now, how did they do it and how did they accelerate you know, that success? So that's what we do. We deliver fantastic content. Um, I help members. We promote them. We share their news, their stories. Um, we spoke to a family business yesterday and they were really struggling with marketing, so we brainstormed some ideas with them. If there's a particular family aspect they need help with, if they need planning for their succession or writing a family constitution, basically anything to do with being a family in business, we are here to come to. We're a friendly ear, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and I think the one thing all of our members have in common is that they want to leave this business they've got now in a, in a much better way than when they inherited it so that there's something to pass down to their children. And I think that's really exciting. And they're, they're hungry, they're innovative, they, you know, they want to take risks. Um, and I've met some of the most extraordinary entrepreneurs, you know, and they're just normal human beings wanting to do something for their family and wanting to create an impact. Mm. And, uh, and I think that's really, really special. It's clear to me that uh, you get all your joie de vivre and personality from your family. Clearly, there's some, there's some genetics there. Um, but in terms of your own personal growth, Amalia, what have you learned on this amazing journey to helping so many others? Is there things that you've picked up along the way that now benefit you and have helped you grow as a person? Yeah, so I think being part of a family business can be quite insular. Um, so yes, I went straight into my family business. You know, I've, I've learned from my mum. She's a, she's a mentor. Um, and so there's three of us family members and then three non-family members. And that can become very insular. So for me, it was about having another mentor. So we have an investor and I use him as a mentor. Um, and then I have two others as well who are in completely different industries. Um, and for me, that was really important. Getting out and networking. So I used to be absolutely terrified of that. Um, no one ever talks to you about networking at school or at university, do they? You get a, a business textbook and the word networking is never mentioned, but it is the very core of how you grow a business. Um, so I used to think, you know, when we went to a birthday party, why does my mum insist on talking to every single person here, you know? And, and I get it now. I get it now because if you can understand them and their lives and they can understand you, they become part of your wider network. So I'd say mentorship, networking in, in all of its forms, um, I've also learned to give myself a break. So I took over as managing director two years ago now. Um, and I came straight back from maternity leave from having my son. I'd had a year off with horrific postnatal depression and I was trying to do everything. I was just like, I need to be the best at running this business. I need to be the best mom. I need to figure everything out. And it all came crashing down because I'm only one person and I'm only human. Um, and yes, I am a woman, which we can multitask apparently, but there's only so much one person can take. 
So you have to give yourself a break and you have to be able to give yourself headspace and find some mental strength to tackle each of those things. Um, and I, and I met a guy the other day and he said, you know, it's so hard for men to say that they're vulnerable and that they're having problems, they're having issues. And I think it goes the same for women. We're so determined to be superwoman and it, and it, it will break you eventually. So I think the biggest thing I've learned is that mental strength takes practice and you have to proactively do stuff. So I now take an hour out on my own to go and walk the dog and I take some time for myself and I exercise and I, and I look after myself and it's okay to go and say, I'm going to go and have my nails done on a Saturday morning and not feel guilty because I'm not there 24 seven for my son. So I think they're probably the three biggest things is, you know, finding some really good mentors um, embracing networking in, in all of its forms really and putting yourself out there. Um, and also, you know, working on your mental strength, because if you burn out, then, you know, what's left. Mm. So I think they're probably the three most important things. I'm, I'm particularly, uh, I'm particularly glad to be speaking to you today, Marley, because you are a young lady. Um, and the reason why that's important is that demographically, a lot of listeners to this podcast are young people. And oftentimes, whilst we've had some amazing guests, many of them are maybe older, more experienced, you know, perhaps in life or, or business. And I say that with no disrespect to you. And therefore, it's harder for a younger person to connect with an older person. Uh, today, what we've got is somebody who's very successful with loads and loads of experience, all packed into a very short space of time. What advice would you give to, I think there's two parts to this question, really. One is, you mentioned postnatal depression. Uh, let's just take that as one of life's many challenges, situations where you find yourself in a bit of a hole. Number one, how do you deal with those challenges when they come along as a young person? And secondly, let's imagine I'm a young person. I'm thinking, okay, I've got a great idea for a business. I just don't even know where, where do I go? What do I do? How do I raise money? Where do I find staff? And it becomes very, very overwhelming. So kind of two questions in one that is about dealing with pressure and the stuff that happens in, in life and business. What advice have you got? Long question, I'm sorry, but what advice would you give to those younger people in particular who are really struggling with something at the moment? So I think when you face those really, really dark moments, of which I have had lots, um, you know, my mum my lost her first business. We, we went into liquidation um, I had to write my own redundancy letter and get my mum to write it. They were dark, dark days. Um, yes, I've had postnatal depression. We've had family tragedies, you know, and I'd say in those dark moments, it's about perspective. So when you think you're having a hard time and you are in this bubble that seems to be all consuming at that moment in time, it's thinking about, okay, so I am where I am, but I have a roof over my head. I have my health. I have my family, I have friends around me, and there are people who are in a far worse position than I am. Um, and I think, though, you know, we, we, do, we do a lot of work with charities, you know, we've been out to Africa, you know, Uganda, and, and seeing people there who are so grateful, who are so happy. And I think I've always got that in my back of my head as well, that no matter how hard I'm finding it, how crap my day is, or how terrible my week is, there is always someone else out there who's far worse off. And, um, and my mum has a, a really good thing. She's like, you know, why don't, if you're finding it hard, go and help someone else. Because that actually brings you great 
confidence and self-belief and self-esteem if you can give someone else something that will help them out of their dark moment. And I think that's really, really powerful. You know, if you can go and do some voluntary work or you can mentor someone else or just go and donate a tenner to the local charity, it would just make you feel good and put your life into perspective. The second thing I'd say with dealing with it is just, it sounds so cheesy, but just to talk about it. So when I was going through what I didn't know at the time was postnatal depression, I just didn't talk to anyone. I just kept it, you know, wrapped up inside me and this, my ball of energy that I should be using proactively became this ball of energy that was just sinking in the bottom of my stomach. And I didn't tell anyone, I didn't say anything because I just thought it was all part and parcel of having a baby. It was my first baby and I didn't know any better. But then as I got to the point and I said to my husband, Nick, I just broke down. I said, I know this isn't normal. I know this isn't right. And the minute I said those words, it was like this thing had been lifted off my shoulders. So then we carried on talk about it. And then I told my mum and then I told my sister and then I told my friends and the amount of people that said, oh my goodness, I'm so glad you said that. I went through exactly the same thing. Um, and now, you know, I don't, I don't shy away from it. And I wish when I'd been going through it, I'd heard someone else say, I had this, this is how crappy I felt. And I wish I'd heard someone say that, but I never did because people don't talk about it. So I'm really happy to talk to any woman or man who's been through postnatal depression and no two people are the same. And I think the more you can talk about it, it's, it's cathartic for you, but it would also help someone else. Um, so, and the other thing, go just go and do some exercise. Go and have a walk. Go and walk around the park. Walk around your house if you're, lock, if you're locked down. Just do some exercise and it will work absolute magic. There's a reason doctors prescribe it, you know. Go and get some sunshine. Um, so they're probably the three things I'd say for any young person who's trying to dig themselves out of a really dark moment. And I completely forgotten what the second part of your question was. It was just about, you know, start, got an idea, looking to start a business, but you kind of answered it in, in, uh, in, in an indirect kind of way because you did such a good job of answering part A. So, um, you know, starting a business, a lot of people suffer from this kind of inertia of, I've got a great idea, and then they spend their entire life looking backwards going, if only I'd done this, and if only I'd done that. How, how did people get out the starting block? Is, is that, again, about seeking that mentorship, um, looking for perspective, taking some form of positive action. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds to me as if it's all those things and a few things besides. Yeah, so I have a phrase that everyone laughs at me for saying, but I truly believe in it, is you don't have to get it right, you just have to get it going. Mm -hmm. So otherwise it will just be that idea on a piece of paper that you're, you're right, you look back on in 10 years' time and think, I wish I'd done that. So... Don't wait for something to be perfect. Don't wait till you've got a website. Don't wait until you've got, you know, a team of people. Just just go out and do it. Do some market research. Go and talk to friends and family about loaning you a couple of hundred quid each or whatever it might be. It do, you don't have to get it right. You just have to get it going because momentum is a really powerful thing. Once you start building momentum, when you, when you come out the starting blocks, you will find that you, people are attracted to you and people are attracted to it. And the other thing to say about running a business is there is no plan B. There is no plan. There is no backup plan. And that is the terrifying fire that sits underneath every single entrepreneur and keeps you on your toes is there is no plan B. So I would say if you're a young person thinking about starting a business or you've got a brilliant idea and you don't even know if it is a viable business opportunity, just go for it as if it is your only plan A. Just give it a whirl, give it a shot, 
what is the worst that can happen? You know, nobody died. Just give it a go. Um, and yeah, you don't have to get it right. You just have to get something going. And become a member of the family business place. And please. become a member of family business place because <laughs> there's loads more of this great stuff. And note to self, never ask a guest on the Sandra Forte podcast two questions in one because they always get the <laughs> second one. Uh, it's about the fourth time I've done it. It's a, it's a mistake. I need to, I need to remind myself. Um, time is unfortunately against us. I could go on talking all day. Um, it's very important that we know exactly where to find you because I'm sure lots of people will want to reach out, Amalia. So how do we find out about you on social media or the family business place on websites? Because a lot of people out there can't be bothered to go searching. So just make it nice and easy and serve it on a silver platter, if you would. So familybusinessplace.com. And I'm on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest place. Okay. And uh, for those that are struggling with your name already, it's Amalia <laughs> Brightly. Amalia Brightly Gillett. Okay. And you'll find me on LinkedIn as a fierce champion for family businesses. Ah, fantastic. Okay. Final question. Uh, and look, you've given us um, so many great insights. It's difficult now to really focus on perhaps one thing. But the, but the one question that we ask all our guests, Amalia, is, if you imagine now you're having a conversation with your son in a few years' time and he says, Mum, I've, I've sat from a distance and I've admired everything you've done. You've been a champion for business. You've mentored people. You all seem to have the answer to everything and you're, you're a guiding light and all the other great things that a mum and businesswoman should be. But if you could just drill it all down for me and just give me one or two simple pointers. If I could have a mantra to live by above all other things, what would it be? What do you want to be remembered for in life? So there's often a pressure to come into a family business, but actually if it's not right for you and it doesn't make you happy, then that's no good. So what I would say to my son, what do you want to be remembered for in life? And where are you at your happiest? Because figure that out and then you can figure out what you want to do in your life. Don't try and do it the other way around. Don't try and figure out what you want to do in life and then if it's going to make you happy. Find out what makes you happy, where you are at your absolute happiest, and then figure out how you're going to turn that into your career, your purpose, whatever it might be. Gosh, I wish we could speak to you every week. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> thank you. Amalia uh, Brightley-Gillett, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, really, So insightful and beautifully articulated, really clear, really concise, and so many takeaways for us all. So thank you very, very much indeed. Thank you, Sandro. Thank you for joining us again on the Sandro Forte podcast. I don't know where we keep getting these amazing people from. Wasn't Amalia absolutely terrific? Remember, each week we have a new guest joining us to share their own insights into achieving success or indeed overcoming life's challenges, just like Amalia. So please make sure you subscribe, follow us on social media, Sandro's podcast. Don't forget the S, blah, blah, blah. You've heard it all before. Same on all channels. If you want to email us with a question, it's hello at sandrospodcast.com or contact Amalia directly. And please remember two other things to connect with me, Sandro Forte. It's the real Sandro on Instagram. Uh, you know why. Somebody stole my name. And please leave a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll automatically be entered into a draw to win one of the prizes donated by one of the guests, not all of them, but one of the guests on the Sandro Forte podcast. Until this time next week, have a good one. Bye for now. <laughs>